0: Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. So I want to explore something you might think is a little unusual today. I did when I first started thinking about it, something I've never heard anyone talk about in a podcast or a psychology or counseling lecture, but something that has been a huge part of my life and family culture, and it's this, the place of humor in mental health. Now, before I move on, I want to define what I mean by mental health. First, let me share what I don't mean. And here's a little history. I grew up in a family where beloved people I respected and deeply loved struggled with what was called then mental illness. No one in my large and vibrant extended family called it that. In fact, when one dear family member was hospitalized in a what we called mental institution for an extended time, I was told they were in the hospital. I assumed it was for a physical reason, but I was confused because in my family, when somebody was in the hospital, the whole family went, cousins, kids, aunts and uncles, people brought food. We hung out in the uh, waiting room uh, for, to be able to see everybody. And in those days, you weren't even allowed to go in hospital rooms unless you were 16. But some of us kids just hung out there in hopes that they might be able to sneak us in. When I was taken to see this person, though, in this mental hospital, I noticed none of the residents looked sick. They were walking around, sitting at tables, playing cards, or sitting in a common area, watching TV. This was unlike any hospital I had ever seen. And even now, I'm not mentioning the family member, Because there is still stigma surrounding mental health issues. And why? Why are we fine with sharing that a family member battles a physical ailment, but feel uncomfortable or ashamed or like it's some type of name calling to speak of someone with a mental health problem? Perhaps that's a topic for another podcast, but for today... When I speak of mental health, what I'm referring to is our overall emotional and psychological well-being that impacts how we interact with others, how we think, process, and experience our world. It's that part of us that affects how we handle stress and pressure, how we make wise and helpful choices about the things going on in our lives at a given time. And how we interact with the people in our lives. And it may or may not include the diagnosis of a mental condition or disorder. In short, mental health issues are faced by every one of us. Mental health doesn't equal mental illness, as was thought of in the not-too-distant past. On the next episode, I'm going to go into a little bit more why I was drawn to this topic as a podcast focus. But for now, just know that humor was a big part of my upbringing. Mom and her four sisters, along with their three brothers, knew how to laugh. These people laughed more and heartier than anyone I've ever known. I have a stream of distinct memories of mom calling one of the sisters to share something hilarious my siblings or I had done. And this continued and even multiplied when we all started having children. Mom lived with us for her final eight years, and I have numerous memories of her on the phone sharing stories with one of my aunts about stuff one of my kids had done. And the laughter was contagious and became a part of my very own family culture. One of our favorite things to do as a family is to sit around and tell stories about life together when the kids were growing up. And during some of those times sitting around telling stories, I've actually learned things from my kids for the first time. If you're a parent of adult children, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Some of the time they say, oh, Oh, mom, I I thought I told you about that. And I'd say no. And at times I wish I hadn't heard it. But anyway, growing up in a family culture that valued humor was a real gift to me. And honestly, it's helped with my own mental health. And how can I know that? Well, I'll save that for a few minutes uh, later as I share some interesting things I've learned about humor and mental health by experts who have researched this and understand it a lot better than I do. Here's the thing. Humor alone certainly isn't a cure for stress or pain, but it can bring relief and other short-term effects. Laughter is good for our bodies and our brains. It impacts our stress response to situations and brings a, actually a calming feeling to our bodies. According to the Mayo Clinic and some other reputable sources, laughter can actually improve our immune system and can ease pain in our bodies. And it obviously improves our mood temporarily, even when depression and anxiety are weighing heavily on us or those we love. It seems kind of silly to say this, but people who laugh regularly are just generally happier. That sounds way too obvious, but I've experienced this in my life. Due to my upbringing, I tend to be a person who laughs a lot. And I love to hear other people laugh. As a matter of fact, just last night, I was upstairs doing some stuff while Benny and our daughter Janelle and our grandson JJ were watching a commander's football game. And I heard them laughing loudly about stuff at various times. And learned later about some fun things that happen in the commander's win. So as I heard this laughter starting, I opened my bedroom door so I could hear it more clearly. Just hearing them laugh, even though I didn't know at the time why, just made me feel good. About 10 years ago, I went through a really dark time in my life. I I felt overwhelmed and alone and confused about some situations happening with those I love. And I knew things had probably gotten bad one day when I chuckled at something that happened and Benny said, oh, it's so good to hear you laugh. It had been too long since I even had the strength to laugh. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It takes strength to laugh. And at that moment, it kind of hit me. It's time to laugh again. And it was hard. Things I would normally find humorous just weren't funny anymore. And laughing seemed to suggest that what I was going through wasn't really all that bad. But mostly, I just didn't see humor the way I always had prior. Thankfully, I decided to take some concrete steps to look for humor. This was something foreign to me. It's something I had never had to do. Things had just been funny to me, except during seasons of pretty intense suffering. Smiles or chuckles certainly didn't fix my life or cure my suffering, but it certainly did bring momentary excuse me—momentary relief, which is no small thing to a depressed person or anxious person. Laughter really is God's gift to us. And sometimes we have to find the humor in life when our strength is sapped with weighty struggles. Yet, just as laughter can be helpful for our mental health, it can also be a detriment. Now, how is that? Well, I've considered at least two ways that laughter can be not a great thing. First, we can use humor to mask honesty. Do you or someone you know use what you might call playful banter or sarcasm to make points that you're otherwise afraid to be honest about? I can't imagine how many times I've done this because humor can so easily be mistaken for sarcasm, especially when we're trying to make a point in a cowardly way. So most people who know my Benny know he has this habit. He's pretty quick to throw things away that he thinks are unneeded. And well, like last week when our daughter Janelle's leftovers were in the fridge, the next day she was excited about finishing them up, but discovered that dad had thrown them away. And this has caused some tiffs in our family, and it caused a little tiff between Benny and Janelle that night. And with Benny and me, it's, it's caused a few all out conflicts over the years. Here's what I've learned. If I can use that, we all know dad throws things away with a slight eye rolling chuckle, it helps me make my point without having to just sit down with Benny and tell him how tough it is when he trashes something important to me. It takes humility and vulnerability to gently and nicely say, honey, it hurts when you do that, and to risk whatever I imagine his response might be. It's way easier to throw out jabs to him or the kids, hoping that he or they will get the message to leave my stuff alone. And that would be in his case. My kids don't throw my stuff away. And Believe me, I've also wrongly assumed that Benny threw something away when he didn't. And some of you who listen regularly might remember the time that I was absolutely convinced that he had thrown away an important envelope on our, our kitchen counter only to find out later that he hadn't. I have used a form of humor, sarcasm, to make a point that should have been made in a loving, redemptive conversation rather than sarcastic jabs in the form of some kind of humor. So we can use humor to avoid or mask honesty. But secondly, we can use humor to avoid internal pain. I found an intriguing article that summarized some academic research done about 10 years ago by a think tank in the Northeast that actually studied the influence of humor on people's mental health. It was a huge study that included a diverse group of people, lots of questionnaires and interviews, and probably a lot of money. And their conclusion was that humor is a significant factor in a person's overall mental health, including those who battle depression and suicidality. Not laughing is actually bad for our health. It's incredible to me that a comprehensive and pricey study like this affirms what the Bible says very simply and wisely in places like Proverbs seventeen twenty-two. Laughter is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Think about even Sarah's response when Abraham told her God promised to give them a child in their old age. She laughed. This elderly woman whose husband was 10 years older than her could have responded in any number of ways to this news, but she laughed saying, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. And they named her their son Isaac, which means laughter. So scientists have proven what God has always known. Laughter really is good medicine. But what happens when we use humor or unhealthy optimism even to avoid pain? I was talking to someone recently who is starting to understand that he uses humor in this avoidance like way. It started when I began noticing what I thought might have been a pattern of him chuckling at the end of sentences that were full of hard words that should have been painful for him to share. And I, I continued to listen and watch and this became a a clear and noticeable pattern so let me give you a couple of examples one time he was talking about a terrible sports injury that ended his high school football experience and after sharing the story of this injury followed by a lengthy time of depression over broken dreams of playing college ball his demeanor changed and he said something like well That was par for the course, you know, how bad my teenage years were. And besides, God knew I probably couldn't handle the popularity that would have come if I had played in college. It was really interesting. He said this with a chuckle and then quickly moved the conversation on to another topic. As I directed our conversation back to that injury, As we continued to talk, he tearfully admitted how hard it was, understandably, to attend college with a friend who was on the team he had hoped to be on as well. And this made room for him to admit just how disappointing the whole situation was. He told me, this is the first time I've really let myself think about How really hard that season was. Another time he started what I thought was a joke about a girl breaking up with him. He joked about what a geek he was and how he was way over his head with this girl anyway. How it all turned out for the best because he eventually met a great girl and married her. He made it sound like this breakup was one of many such breakups yet when I asked him how he felt about this girl, he admitted she was his first love. The conversation turned vulnerable and full of touching moments as he was able for the first time to honestly slow down and really connect to what happened when he was 15. He's mentioned a couple of times since then how helpful it was to put that situation to rest after years of confusion over why that girl kept coming up in his mind, including the occasional curiosities and what ifs about their relationship. This guy is starting to understand how he uses humor and what I'm calling optimism to minimize dealing with the hard things in his life. And listen, the the goal in processing this kind of thing isn't to make you or anyone feel bad. No one likes to feel bad. And that's not my goal in bringing this up. And it's also great that this guy acknowledged God's providence and these big disappointments in his life. Something that we all need to eventually do. It honors the Lord. But here's a question. What if things we use? Things like substances or entertainment or sex or work or food. What if these things that we use to skirt painful situations can also at times involve humor and putting an optimistic spin on things? The things that are meant to draw us into deeper fellowship with God don't really get us to that place of connection with God because we're using humor to minimize the hurt. Things that keep us from connection and comfort and hope that we can get from Christ alone when things happen that are hard. Last Sunday at our church, the guys, meaning uh, Benny and Jesse, started a series on the book of Exodus. Benny preached from chapters 1 and 2, section in scripture that includes that epic story of Moses' life being spared when his mother placed him in a basket on the river. Since then, that's been what, two or three days ago, I've really been thinking about these words from the Benny's message. What if the waters that could kill us are actually the means God uses to rescue us? What if the waters that could kill us are actually the means God uses to rescue us? Certainly, this passage in Scripture wasn't about unhealthy ways of using humor, but what if the bigger question is this? Is humor one of the ways you or someone you know attempts to avoid the God-ordained troubles in our lives that are intended to rescue and redeem us? If, if we'll use TV or alcohol or busyness or porn or spending money to find false and fleeting refuge from our struggles and hurts, then can't we also use humor? to do the same thing? Ah, oh, I'm running out of time here today. There's, there's just more to unpack with this, I think. And, and so join Benny and me next time to talk more about this interesting topic as we unpack some fascinating, in my opinion at least, personal examples of what this has looked like in our lives.